Psalm 119. And in coming to the section verses 105 to 112, we enter into what we could call the noon room. Because each verse of its eight verses commences with that Hebrew letter. And in entering this section, we come to what is probably the most well-known verse of all in Psalm 119. And that's verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I think that's probably the most quoted verse of all in this psalm. This verse assumes something that you have to always keep in the back of your mind when you read and think upon it. When do you use a lamp to guide your feet? When do you hold a light on your path? And of course the answer is when it is dark. You only do it when it's dark. David is in the darkness as all of God's people are in their sojourn in life. In the dark you need a light to walk, alright? Maybe some of you like to walk early in the morning. Great in the summertime, but in the wintertime, you have to go out a little later, or you have to go out with a light to navigate and maneuver through the tricky parts. So you need a light. So this verse assumes David is in a setting of darkness. And remember, he lives in an age where there's no electric, no lights out in the street. Uh, whenever it was dark there, about 8 o'clock, that was it. You only got about with your little oil lamp. And that's what David needs for the path in the darkness. A lamp onto his feet. A light onto his path. Now this Hebrew letter, noon, it may surprise you, but it means, certainly one of the meanings of it, is fish. That boggles your mind a bit. How are we going to see fish in this psalm, this portion, and what would that mean? We first meet this letter, uh, this name of this letter, in Joshua. Because the Bible tells us Joshua was the son of Nun. Now fish, then, is a symbol of life. Because fish, they don't just have one or two little baby fish. They have hundreds and they are therefore a symbol of, of life, teeming life, multiplying life, life in abundance. And in the early church, the fish, from its Greek word, became an emblem for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Saviour. It became an emblem for him who is the life. And Christ gives life, Christ is life. And the connection is light brings life. There's no life without light. And so God's word is light because God's word is life. God's word is the light of life and the life of light. And David needs its light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And David needs life. He needs life as well. I am afflicted very much, he says in 107. Quicken me. 
According to thy word, quicken me, O Lord. He needs the life and light of the word, which are inseparable. The word is life because it's light, and it's light because it's life. David knows this. But maybe the letter has caused him to think about where a fish abides. And a fish, of course, abides in the deep, in the deep sea. In the deep sea where light is not naturally found and where light often cannot penetrate, especially when it is deep waters. And David is often in deep waters. He's often in the depths. He's often in the darkness where the light does not seem to penetrate to him and he needs the light of God's word. And he's in such a situation in this section of the psalm because he says there in verse 107, I am afflicted very much. I'm in the depths, Lord. I'm like a fish in the deep of the sea. I'm in the dark place. Only your word is a light to me to guide me. So David is perhaps feeling that. Verse 109 My soul is continually in my hand, he says, as if his life is in jeopardy, as if it's all uncertain. He's holding it delicately in his hand because he's in a dangerous deep and a dark deep too. He says in other places, Thou hast showed me great and sore troubles. You shall quicken me, O Lord, and bring me up again from the depths of the sea. Psalm 68, the Lord says, I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea. So that's where God's people are, you see. Like in this section this morning, they're in the depths of the sea. Maybe that's a very good description of how you're feeling this morning. I'm in the depths. Oh Lord, I'm in the dark place. I'm feeling the doldrums. Saints are often in depths of trouble. With all its encroaching darkness. And we need God's word to lead us. And there are dangers too in the deep. Where all the fierce creatures abide. Creatures of the darkness and of the night. Dangers that David is conscious of. Both verse 110. The wicked have led a snare for me. He's not only in the deep and in the dark. But in the place of danger. Before his feet. The snares and the traps. Along the way. Oh thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A light to direct me. Through all the snares. Through all the satanic pitfalls. Of life. This is the context of this opening verse that he introduces us to and which is so well known by us. It is then known that the world in which we abide is a dark, dangerous place. And one thing only can prevent us going astray and falling and tripping and being captured by the devil at his will. God's word. God's word. We read in Second Peter, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And what is it like? It's like a light that shineth in a dark place. 
We're in a dark place, brethren and sisters, in this world. And sinners without the gospel are described in the Bible as either walking in darkness or just sitting in it, hopeless. But whether they're walking or sitting, it engulfs them. It surrounds them. And they stumble if they move. They perish if they step forward into the unknown. Eventually they perish because eventually they come across the pit. And if they don't make the effort to walk and stumble through the darkness, they sit motionless in the fear of it and the dread of it. And they perish in the darkness there too. Oh, sinners are without hope, without the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, God's holy word. The way of the wicked is as darkness, the Bible says. That's all they know. They know not even what they stumble at. We grope for the wall like the blind, they say. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at the noonday as if it is the night time. That's what sinners have to say. In desolate places as dark, dead men. This verse then shows us not only the need for light and the setting in which we find ourselves where this light is necessary for us, but it also shows us that the Lord has provided us with that light. In his grace, that light that we need. We have to bear in mind that before we can have a relationship with it, it's God who has a relationship with the light, first of all. There's no light apart from God. It's God's light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The psalmist is aware that it's God's light. Thy word. God has given the light. God said, let there be light. And we'd all perish without it. There's no light in mankind. There's no light in our dark hearts. There's no light in a world under Satan's power. There's no natural light in minds blinded by the devil. Any light we have, spiritually speaking, has only come to us from God and his word. Thy word is the light. And it's that light that has scattered the darkness in our hearts as Christians and is the only hope for this dark world. Thank God he has the relationship with the light before we do. And that light tells me God is good. God is light. There is no darkness in him him at all. God is gracious. Satan is darkness. Satan is wickedness. Satan is associated with all that encroaching bleakness of the darkness of the night. But God is associated with the light, with goodness, with grace. And he gave the light of the sun to rule by day because he's good. And at night time too, when the darkness does encroach upon us, he gives the moon and the stars to flicker to give us hope even in the night. That tells us he's good and gracious. And whenever the human race plunged into the darkness of Satan's kingdom and was lost, what did the Lord do? He gave the light of his word. He sent his light onto us in his grace. So we have the word because God is good. God is gracious. And without him giving us that light, we would know no light 
indeed we would all without exception go into the outer darkness forever and ever and ever. But God has intervened and given us his word, which is a marvelous light. So let us never forget then that the word we have a relationship with is only valid because that word has, first of all, a relationship with God. A good God. A God of light and of grace. Remember also that the lamp that David uses is the oil lamp. And oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, always identified with the Word. His Word is different because it is the Word of the Holy Spirit. It is a word identified with oil. It is a word different from the word of men. It is the word of the light of the world. The Holy Spirit has given us his word. The Christian then has a threefold relationship to God's word as light. First of all, he receives it as God's light. Secondly, he rejoices in it has marvellous light. And then thirdly, he regulates his life in the light of it. That's the relationship that Christians have with the Bible. And may it be a growing and deepening relationship in us. First of all, he receives it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is he doing when he says it? He has the word in his hand. He's holding it over the path. He's directing it over his feet. He is receiving it. He is using it. He is obtaining it. He has confidence in it. He walks by it. So, so he has it in his hand. That's, that's the very first thing. And what is it that he has taken into his hand? The word of a man. Is he walking by the word of a man? No, he says, thy word. It's the lamp in my hand. I take the scriptures. I take the Bible. I take the commandments. I take the promises. And the doctrines of thy holy word. And he has no doubt about that. That he has in his hand God's holy word. Thy word. This is the cornerstone of his affinity with scripture. To him it is all God's book. It's all inspired by God. Indeed, as the Bible says, every scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, in in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, which I recommend that you read if you've never read it, the author depicts Christian from the very start as a man with a book. He has this book. And it's that book that started his awakening. It's that book that caused him even to leave his wife and family because they wouldn't come with him. Caused him to leave them and to go off on his own out of the city of destruction to the heavenly Zion. It set him on the journey, that book, as it awakened him. And he carried it along the way. It was with him all the way. This book, it was this that gave him the hope of eternal life. It was this that strengthened him in his journey when he met all these difficulties. It was this that he quoted to people along the way, like obstinate and pliable and Mr. Worldly Wiseman, right down to the river of death, only one book 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Deplorable, he said, concerning the book, it was made by him that cannot lie. It was a special book. That's the book that David has in his hand. That's the book that every Christian takes hold of as the only light in a dark place. So David, David is just like Pilgrim here, isn't he? He's nothing else in his hand. I mean, his, he doesn't want his hands filled with this and that and the other. He's not coming along with a whole library. What's, what good is a whole library in the darkness? You just need the one thing needful. You need the light and that's it. What else will you go out with through the journey in the darkness? So he's a man of one book. The only one that has the true light. And all other books, if they do have any light, they're getting it from this light. So he goes to the source itself. The word. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. And David has done the same. So he has received it. And it's ever with him. As we saw in the last section, they're ever with me, thy, thy statutes. And your Bible too, brethren and sisters, it's no good on the shelf. It has to be in your heart and hand and mind and in your life. This section is interesting because it refers to quite a bit of the human body parts and even the man's spirit and soul. Uh, this is the one that refers to the feet, the mouth, the soul, the hand, and the heart. And it's very obvious in that open picture that he's, while he's talking about his feet, he has the light in his hand. So you're seeing bodily parts throughout this little section, and that makes it interesting in itself. This is a word that is to be received in all the parts. It's a word that your feet need. It's a word that is to be in your hand. It's a word that's to be in your mouth. It's a word that's to be in your soul, near to your soul. What does he say there in verse 43 of the psalm? Take not the word of truth out of my mouth. It's in his mouth. The word needs to fill our mouth. And then it's to be held by our hand. In verse 109 there he says, there's something very interesting. My soul is continually in my hand. Uh, whatever the description means, uh, one thing is clear that the soul is near to the word in his hand because that's where the word is, the light, the lamp. So the lamp is beside the soul. Oh, my life is so tender in continuance. It's so easily blotted out. It's in my hand. My life, my soul is in my hand. And it's easily blotted out. It's easily destroyed. And that's where he has the lamp beside it. Lamp and soul go together. Lamp and soul are inseparable. You need God's word in your soul. You need it in your heart. You need it right into the center of your humanity for your life. For your continuance in life. For your everlasting eternal life. For the good of your everlasting soul. Which is so delicate that it could eternally perish. It's in your hand. And you need God's word to preserve it. To guard it. To be a hedge about it. To deliver you from going down into the destruction. Into the death. Into the darkness. Into the eternal outer darkness. You need the light of God's word. You need the gospel of Jesus 
Christ. So it's so important to David, this lamp of the word. And so you see why the church has the Bible central. What else have we got? What has God called us to be? A light unto the world. A lamp unto the nations. The church is just a light. If God takes away our light, we're finished. And the only light we have is the light of the Bible. The church can never cease to give centrality to the Bible. The church can never allow its pulpit to be taken out of its center and to be transformed into a platform or stage for other performances, for other gimmicks, for other things. All we have is the light of the word. So as every Christian says, it's a light unto my life, so the church has to say, this Bible is a lamp unto our feet as a congregation. We have only one path to go through life, and we can't go through it without the word of God. So the word of God will be central here. The word of God will have the first place And the highest place is what we need. We're nothing without it. So it's very important. It's very, very central. And Christ is that light. It's it's the light of the word. Now, he not only receives it as God's word and takes hold of it, but secondly, he rejoices on it. This is a happy verse. He's not a depressed man when he says this. He's speaking it as a happy man. Even though he's in depths, even though he's in troubles, even though the devil's laying snares for him, he is rejoicing. He's glad in the Bible. Oh, I have a light of the word. I have a lamp. And he's rejoicing in that light. This is a happy verse. Like Jeremiah said, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the rejoy and rejoicing of my heart. And that's what David finds. What did he say there in verse 111? Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. Now we all know what we do with the heritage. We don't let that slip. We take hold of that and thank God for it too. So the Bible's like a heritage to me. It's like someone's left me a great possession in their will. And I'm just going to take that and be glad in it too. But you see what he says there? He says, they are the rejoicing of my heart. There's nothing make you gladder than the Bible. There's nothing more exciting to go through than scripture. So he's rejoicing. Just like a man rejoices in the darkness with the light. The light is comforting. The light brings joy and gladness. It's this light aspect that gives him the delight. That's what I'm trying to bring forth here. We're not just talking about illumination of the way. We're talking about the gladness. Isn't it nice to sit in the light? Isn't it nice even to have the sunshine? Isn't everybody the cheerier? Whenever we have a sunny day, light brings gladness. Light brings rejoicing. And God's word is like that. It's light, you see. And of course, light is pure. You'll not find any darkness in light. The light scatters the darkness. It has a purity about it, cleanliness about it. The the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth seven times. Oh, it's a pure word, the Bible. Uh, Thy word is very pure, the psalmist said, and In verse 140, therefore thy servant loveth it. So there's the purity of scripture, and that that delights him. The purity of the light. And he doesn't tamper with that. If we start to tamper with the Bible, we darken it. We begin to change it. And that's not a good thing. We can't tamper with the Bible. We just have to turn it on and receive it, what it gives us, and rejoice in it 
and walk in the light of it. So he rejoices in its purity. He rejoices in its comfort. It brings comfort to him. You know that light brings comfort. If you think that you are a prisoner in the darkness, as maybe some prisoners have been at times, have been in a dark dungeon, as we maybe have read on occasions of one in a dungeon, he's just a little flicker of light, a wee crevice of light. And how the prisoner will sit at that. And how that will give him the only comfort in that cell. Just a little bit of light in the dark place. And that's what David's Bible is like to him. It's like, it's like the light coming through the crevice of, of a dark fallen world. That he sits at. That he gets comfort from. That he receives some benefit for his poor needy soul from. So it comforts him. The Bible says truly the light is sweet. And it is, especially a man who's been in darkness a long time. It's sweet, and there's nothing sweeter than light. And there's nothing sweeter than the light of the the word of God. And the light of the gospel. And there's nothing sweeter than Jesus Christ, who is himself the light, the very light himself of the world. I am the light, he says. And he's the truest light, and the sweetest light of all, most certainly. And that's why the psalmist goes on to say, that he rejoices in the word as one that findeth good spoil. How sweet are thy words unto me, he says, unto my taste. They're honey to my mouth, they're sweeter than honey. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and has given him this, this comfort in his soul. And brethren and sisters, as only the gospel comforts us. Because we are such dark and sinners. But when gospel comes, oh, how it revives us, how it cheers us, how it fills us with hope and gladness. How we rejoice in the forgiving grace of our God and Saviour. So it brings us comfort. It brings us gladness. And we rejoice in its penetrating power. Because light light is like that uh, in the example of the crevice and the prison. Getting its way into the darkness. And light is like that. It, it penetrates. Remember how the Saviour's eyes is, is like lightning coming forth, penetrating, reaching down into the dark places, going through all the winding crevices of our soul and reaching down within, searching us out so that we are able to say there is no book like it. There's nothing that knows me like it. There's nothing that searches me like it. There's nothing that brings me hope in my darkness like it. The word is light. And it penetrates even when I'm in the most miserable, depressed condition that I could ever find myself. It penetrates, penetrates down in there into my soul somehow uh, by the Spirit of God's blessing. It's a marvelous book. And how, how could we ever be without it? The penetrating power of Holy Scripture. And then it's illuminating power. It scatters the darkness. The darkness can't enfold it. The darkness can't comprehend it, but no, the light scatters the darkness. And we see, oh, how we see when the light comes in the power of the Spirit, how we see ourselves. We don't see others in regard to their inner workings of their heart, which are unreadable to us, but it searches us out. And we're glad for the searching power of God's Word, penetrating, seeing ourselves. So that we are brought to humble ourselves before God. Brought to beat upon our own breasts. And not the breasts of others. Because the word has penetrated into our hearts. 
and showing us ourselves. And not only showing us ourselves, but has so scattered the darkness that we can now see into the heavenlies and see a saviour and a provision for sin and a grace of God that can reach us and cleanse us and purify us and receive us into the heavenly glory out of this dark world at last. Oh, the penetrating power of Holy Scripture illuminating us. And so we rejoice in it. And we rejoice in its perpetuity as well because it it never goes out. It can never go out because it is fed by the oil of the Spirit. It's the light of the Spirit and the oil of the Spirit never goes out, never ceases. The lamp is fed by the oil of the Spirit, a commentator has said upon it. And so it is. You know, we, we don't say Scripture was inspired. Scripture is inspired. It's inspired now. It's living. It wasn't living when it was written, written just, and we've got some dead bones that abide behind the prophet. No, we have a living word that he wrote and penned, an inspired word that never dies, that never loses its inspiration, that never loses its power, that is a living, quickening word. And is able to penetrate your heart and mine this day because it is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. God breathed as much now as it was when it was penned thousands of years ago. So we never say that was inspired. It is, is inspired still. And some churches, of course, by their folly, may jettison the word. They may, by their folly, put it under a bushel. And that bushel may take many forms. They may even have sanctified bushels that hide the word of God under it. Uh, So churches may hide the word of God and bury the word of God and jettison the word of God and cast the word of God out. But let me tell you this, the word of God will never go out. It will never cease to shine. And it will get into some other church and that church will shine in the faithful exposition of it. So God's word is a perpetual light. It's a light that remains. For whatever church and whatever faithful saint will take hold of it, And hold it forth to a needy world. And then lastly, he he regulates his life by it. It's a lamp onto my feet. Well, I suppose we think of the, the feet of the body. The direction that we go. We need the word to regulate our direction where we go. But there are the feet of the heart. Which are the real feet that drive us. The desires. The desire life. And so the feet in scripture are metaphors of the desires. Where you want to walk. What places you want to go. And it's the word that works in the desire life. Works in the heart. Putting your feet in the right direction. Putting your desires along the right paths. And so this is what David obviously is using the word for. I've hit it in my heart. It gives me direction. It regulates my, my life. It's not a light to fill our brains, Thomas Martin said, to fill us with empty notions, and I may add with proud thoughts and all the rest, but it's a light to our feet, 
to regulate our practice. And so it is most needful. But I'll not enlarge on that point because the time, the time is gone. We, we need it in all areas of our life, all avenues of our life, how, how we need the Bible. But before leaving this room, I just draw your attention to, to the four words at the end where, where David says, even on to the end. I like the way David closes and opens these sections. Very often there's a link. And he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And he's going out the door unto the end. Unto the end of my life. Unto the end of my pilgrimage upon the, the earth. I'll always have the Bible unto the end. And child of God, this church needs the Bible unto the end. And you need the Bible unto the end. To your deathbed. And especially, especially at the end. You need the light of the Bible in the valley of the shadow of death unto the end. And your end is coming. And it's coming quickly. It's coming swiftly. And you need the light of the word. Are you going to face the end without the gospel? Are you going to face the end without the light of the word of God? You need it unto the end. And may you be wise to receive it. And to walk in the light of it unto the end. To the end of your days, to the end of your life, to the end of the world, whenever the Lord shall come back again, and we'll no longer need to walk in the light of Scripture, but we'll bask in the radiance of the Word of God incarnate Himself forever and ever and ever.